Think about the words also of that song. I mean, we do nothing, um, we do nothing by chance, honestly. I mean, what, what you may see, and Chris and I talk through things. But the words of that song and the words that are on the screen, are you going to go my way? The my being capitalized. And, you know, there are a lot of ways, you know, in life to go. One person, one man said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And so our hope, uh, and actually Kravitz is a believer, that we go the way of Jesus. So uh, get your Bibles out if you have them. Um, if you do not, we have some Bibles. Please take one. We give away Bibles here. It's um, what we like to do. And it is uh, John chapter 17 that, uh, that we're looking at this morning. John 17, I'm going to be reading verse 4 and 5, and then skipping down verse 13 and 19. So take your Bibles, and, uh, and now let's, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for, oh man, I thank you for the power of your church. Thank you for the power of people. Thank you for your power, uh, which ultimately that is, the, that is the thing that makes us your church. Uh, otherwise, we're just a, a meeting place or, or just a, a social club. And uh, I thank you that your power is here. Um, but more so, I pray that you um, just, just fall down upon us today. Um, pour out your spirit. Your spirit's always here, but, but there are moments, uh, there are, are times, there are seasons, there are revivals, um, there are awakenings where you fully uh, just make yourself known. Uh, and I pray that that time begins today, that we are more uh, for this city, that we're more for... Uh, the world, um, but not simply for ourselves, uh, for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. John chapter 17, starting with, uh, with verse 4. This is a, a prayer that Jesus is praying. I've, I've preached on this passage uh, before. This is a prayer that he's praying over his disciples the night before he uh, will be crucified. Verse 4, he says, I glorified you talking about his heavenly Father on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Picking up verse 13. Jesus continues to pray. He says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. It's the word of God. question I want to start out with, what do you think about or what do you think about when I say uh, being sent or that you are to be sent? I'm not talking about going. Sometimes going is, is a lot of our decision. Like I love to go. I mean, I, I love to travel. I'll go, I'll go anywhere. But I'm talking about being sent. Like it's not your will, it's not our will. You are, you are sent out. 
in ancient societies, talked about Honduras, in the, in the ancient Mayan societies, they would, uh, when, a, when a young boy was reaching manhood, getting close, they would send the boy out into the forest, into the wilderness, for a series of trials. And honestly, if he survived or if he thrived, that was how he began to become a man. I'm reading this book right now on Navy SEALs. And in the middle of their training, there's a, an intense week they call Hell Week. And it's hell for them. But in the middle of this week, they, um, they send them to an island off the coast of San Diego. It's a very small island. They have to, like, take the island. And so they are, they are sent. And it's getting them used to, I mean, once they, you know, become a Navy SEAL, then they're deployed all over the world. Being sent. Being sent. Missionaries are sent. We support missionaries here. Uh, those that come to mind the most are Scott and Meg Rambo. They felt a call and were sent to Uganda. And, you know, honestly, missionaries get a really bad rap. I mean, if you, if you think about it. The reason I say that is because uh, some of y'all may have read this book, The Poison Wood Bible. Polly, I know you have. We've talked about that. The Poison Wood Bible. Everybody thinks about missionaries like that guy on the Poison Wood Bible. I mean, kind of a, honestly, kind of like a nut job that takes his family and, you know, trying to convert and everything. And so the term missionaries gets this bad rap. But truth is, if we have Jesus in our hearts, in our lives, all of us are missionaries. I mean, all of us are on mission for him. Mission is not a program. Mission is not a committee. Mission is not a segment of the church. Mission is who we are, supposed to be, in Jesus. And you don't have to go to Africa or or India or even Honduras. I mean, you can, and there are going to be opportunities here for you to do that. But you don't have to go across the world. You can be a missionary locally. One of the big reasons why we're talking about be for the city. How can we as a church be for this city as as a missionary for Christ, as an ambassador for Christ here. But, you know, you don't even have to, like, you know, serve the poor. I mean, I know a lot of us, even myself, we think about local mission, we think about, okay, stew pot, or, you know, downtown, or, you know, that's what we think about when I say local mission. But it's so much more than that. I mean, it's how we live. It's how we, we carry on our, our day-to-day lives. Uh, I got a great email this week, and I was going to read it, and, you know, I just decided to just, it's Heidi. Heidi sent me this email, and just kind of tell her story not reading it word for word, but she said she bumped into this lady who was not from Jackson uh, earlier in the week, and they started talking about uh, faith. They started about talking about church, and she asked Heidi, you know, where do you go to church? Of course, one of the main things that Heidi loves is bellwether, so got her on a roll, and I don't know if that lady is here. hope you are, but she said, I may come, you know, this Sunday. And so Heidi said, you know, I think that was, you know, what you're talking about, about B for the city. I mean, it's not just... I mean, it can very well be serving locally, but it's, it's how we live. It's our, our day-to-day interactions. It's our spheres of influence. I mean, whether you're a, a doctor or an attorney or a businessman or, you know, just whatever you do, it's how can you be an ambassador for Christ? How can you live on mission for Jesus? That's what we want to be about. And the reason we're, you know, I actually... You know, truth be told, it's B for the city, local Jack. I'm not this, like, pro-Jackson, you know, save Jackson type guy. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I'm a country boy. I mean, I, I visit my parents, you know, this week. I mean, there's a barn, you know, behind my house with, like, real hay and, you know, there are animals out there. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's how I grew up. And so, 
kind of neutral, you know, about Jackson, but I just feel like, man, God's placed me here. This church is here. We need to be for Christ here, you know? Amen? That's what it's all about. But it's not simply, again, a service. I mean, it is that. It is going, but it's, it's how we live. We are, we're missionaries. We're ambassadors for Christ. So today, in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be talking about cities, like literal cities in the Bible, and how God told the people, hey, you've got to be in the city. You've got to minister to the city. You've got to reach out for the city. We're going to look at Nineveh and Jonah. We're going to look at Babylon. Next week, we're going to look at the very first city in Genesis. But before I got into that, I wanted to talk generally about just mission. And I know a, a lot of us think different things about mission. I say mission, some of y'all may think Honduras. Some of y'all may think the poor but I want us to see mission is so much bigger. It is our lives. It is being on mission for Jesus. I think this chapter, this entire chapter, I only read segments, but John 17, it, is, it just exemplifies mission because it's about the mission of Christ, what he has done, and then what he hopes we will do. So, a couple of things. Uh, if you have a program, the back of the program, I've got some points. I've got some key scripture. You can follow that if you'd like to. You don't have to. But um, that's just hopefully to help in in a small way. First off, three things today uh, about mission. First, the result of mission. Like, if you're about mission, if your life is about mission, what is the result? It's joy. Joy. Like an inner sense exuding joy. Why do I say that? Look again. Jesus says... I've done the work, God, that you told me to do. Verse 4, he says, I glorified you on earth. I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He says, you know, I've done it. What's the work that Jesus came to do? I mean, yeah, he was, he was sent to the world to, to proclaim the gospel, the good news. He was sent to heal the sick. He was sent to, um, you know, give encouragement and hope to the oppressed. But ultimately, his work was was to die for us. He says, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He knows he's about to die. See, the fundamental human problem, and this is kind of like a big point. This is kind of a main point. I don't know, track with me here. Kind of the fundamental human problem that all of us have is we substitute ourselves for God. You may say, no, 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 we do. I do. We all do. We say, I want to be God. I want to be in control of my life. I want to take charge. I am God. We even say. That is the fundamental problem. That's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. The work Jesus came to do is he said, I'm going to substitute myself for them. They deserve, we deserve punishment. I'm going to take it on. That's his mission. To save us. We say Jesus, that's what it means. Jesus has saved us. Hope you get that. Now, I say the result of mission is joy. Why do I say that? Hebrews 12, 2. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and its shame. Let me say that again. For the, what? Joy set before him. I mean, imagine the pain. Imagine the turmoil. Imagine everything that he went through on the cross. But Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he accomplished the work. He did the mission. The result was joy. The joy set before him. For us, some of us are joyless in life. Let's be honest. 
Some of us have no joy. I mean, you can say, you know, hey, I, I'm happy. Or, you know, I got happy last night or over the weekend, but now I got the drudgery of work or I got, you know, I got problems. I mean, many of us are joyless. Maybe you have no mission. Maybe there's a lack of mission in our lives if we don't have joy. And see, the, the, the other thing about us, about human beings, is we were made for great things. We were made for great missions. Think about that as a child. I mean, children love stories. Children love adventures. Children love this, this idea of, you know, I'm going to take charge of the world. I'm going to go. Jack has gotten into the superhero thing, you know, the Batman, the Superman. All, you know, superheroes, they, they get the bad guys. They save the world. C.S. Lewis knew this. He knew it so well. It's why the Chronicles of Narnia have been such a success. It's why I preach on that. There was books written in the 1940s, these children books that were analogies in Scripture, but it, was, it captivated the imagination of children because it was these other children who were saving the world, that world called Narnia, and this line called Aslan that was really Jesus. Tolkien got this when he wrote Lord of the Rings. These chosen few who saved that world. And I don't know if you remember or you recall your childhood, but I certainly do mine. And man, the idea of a mission, like to, to go out into the wild blue yonder and like to save, you know, the world or to, to rescue, you know, the damsel in distress. I mean, that, is, that captivates us. That is innate in us, I believe. Even, even us grown-ups. That's why I love Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, I mean, he, he's saving the world. It's a story That's what we were meant for. It is. You even see this in history. Use two groups of people. One is those that we call the greatest generation that lived through the Depression and then saved the world in World War II. I mean, that wasn't about Jesus or anything, but it was about a group of people that came together and there was something greater and higher than themselves. And they said, we're going to give our lives, we're going to lose our lives for this cause. And I think that's... A big reason why people call themselves, people call them the greatest generation. Another group of folks is the hippies in the 1960s. And look, I love hippies, okay? So don't get me wrong there. And but they were my dad's generation, you know. And but we don't really recall them in I mean, we think about parties and Woodstock and everything, but we don't really call them the greatest generation. And there's some great ex hippies. A lot of them have turned to Christ and man, they they actually think they can save the world, and that's fantastic. What I'm talking about of the hippie movement, 1960s, it was all about individual, personal happiness. I mean, it really was. It's people saying, hey, I can do what I want. I can do as many drugs as I want. I can sleep with as many folks as I want. I can party as much as I want. Or I can rock out as much as I want. You know, you can't tell me what to do. It was about individual, personal happiness. It was about individuals. You know, the me. And there was no greater cause that a generation was giving themselves to other than like rebelling against authority for their individual rights. And so, see, even in history, it contrasts, and we remember the greatest generation is what they gave their lives to. I use that, there is something even more greater, and that's the cause of Christ. I mean, I'm talking in big terms here, the salvation of the world, going into all the world, starting with your, your spouse, maybe, starting with your family, starting with this city, It's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. God wants a world to be saved through Jesus Christ. And thank God that you and I and we can be part of this. 
we really can save the world. There's, there's a reason that innate deal, that adventure is, is there. God put it there. We're meant for a grander purpose. We're meant for something bigger and larger than ourselves. And when we're on that mission, and some of y'all know this, there is joy. I mean, like, there's real joy. There's not joy for a moment or a weekend. This is what a lot of y'all experienced in Honduras. I mean, the planning and the giving of yourselves and the going. And we want that to continue. Can't always stay in Honduras. But we can continue it here. We can be on mission for Christ here. One verse in this, and look at this. Why also is it joy? Verse 13, Jesus says, he wants us, he says, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus says, I want us, me, you, us, as a people, as a body, to have his joy. He had joy. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was on mission, God's mission, to save us. He accomplished that work. Now we can partake, we can be part of his joy, which is an eternal joy. Joyless in your life? Maybe you're not on mission. Maybe you need a mission. Maybe you're mistaking missions on this earth as the grander mission, and it's, it's a mistake. There's one great mission, the Great Commission, and it's the only thing that will bring us present, constant, supernatural joy. The result of mission is joy. Next point is the power of mission. Like, how do we... How do we get power to be a mission? A lot of you say, man, I couldn't be a missionary. I couldn't be an ambassador for Christ. I couldn't do that. All of us can. There's a power to mission. What is it? It's the glory of Jesus. The the beauty of Jesus. Let me break that down for you. Jesus says, I glorified you, God, Heavenly Father, on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Then he says, now, Father, glorify me. He's saying, God, glorify me on the cross. Glorify me in the empty tomb. In your own presence with the glory, Jesus says, that I had with you before the world was created. I mean, can we, I can't fathom that. I mean, are you tracking with me on that? A glory that before all of us, everything we know, everything we can imagine, we can fathom was created. Jesus had this glory. The power of mission, I mean, like truly how we go, whether it's, in our church, in our city, in the world, you got to see the glory of Jesus. I talked about this this past Wednesday night at our Wednesday night service. I was talking about the beauty of Jesus. And, you know, I've never really described Jesus in that way. I mean, I'm sure he's like, you know, good-looking guy and all, but I'm t- the beauty of what he has done. And I want to go back to the substitution deal. I mean, because that can, that can easily go over. That, it's it, though, y'all. We want to be God. Jesus says, they don't deserve good. Let me step in and take it on so that they can be saved. That's beautiful. I mean, someone has given his life for you. I mean, that, that is, that is life-changing. His, his glory, do, do you see it? I mean, do you... And sometimes we've got to be deprogrammed. I mean, I, I'll be honest, because a lot of you and me, I've said this, we're like, man, I got, I got that, I got it, I got it, I got No, we don't. We've been programmed in Sunday school so much, we think we know it. We don't see the glory 
of Jesus. Because when we do, watch out. It is a changed life. It is a person on mission. And that may be all over the world. It may be here. We got to see his glory. A lot of us, me included, sometimes we go on mission. Sometimes we serve. We're like, I want to do this. I want to go so I can see Jesus. Maybe I'll find his glory in a mission trip or in serving. That's a mistake too. We kind of have it the other way around. We're not going to find Jesus in the good works that we do. What happens is if we find Jesus, then man, watch out. Then he will lead us to these great works. What I'm talking about, how do you find Jesus? God's word, scripture. How do you find Jesus? Sometimes in a one-on-one relationship, mentoring, coaching, sharing. How do you find Jesus? Maybe it's in a smaller group. Maybe it's in a worship service. But I say, before you even go, before you're on mission, what I'm saying is don't do it for the wrong reasons. Don't do it just to like be good or be, to be Mr. or Ms. Perfect Christian or to just like, oh, I've got to serve because you feel guilty. Those are wrong reasons to be on mission. The reason we're on mission is if we found Jesus and we've seen and his glory and the beauty of what he's done, that he has saved us, he has saved you. And there's nothing that you or I could do to save ourselves. And he's done it. And that's when we say, when we get it, we're like, I will lose my life for this. Because my life ultimately, it means nothing. It, it has been nothing. The only reason it means anything is because what Jesus has done. The power of mission is seeing his glory. And then, man, we can... It's, it's truly mission, his mission, and not our agenda or going for ourselves or going to look good. I mean, those are, those are valid reasons that a lot of folks go. In Scripture, we see this. Look back through the Old Testament, okay? A guy named Abraham in Genesis. God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Genesis 12. He sees the glory of God. God speaks to him. And then he says, go to a place that you've never known. Never set foot in. No relatives, no friends, no connections. Abraham is blessed, but then he's sent. Isaiah, Isaiah 6. He sees God. He sees the glory of God. And then God says, whom shall I send? And he says, send me. Send me. Because he saw the glory of God. To truly be sent, we've got to witness his glory. Jesus said to the disciples, when the power of the Holy Spirit has come on you, then you will be my witnesses. Not go and try and to be my witnesses and you'll get the power of the Holy Spirit. When the power of the Holy Spirit, when you get the glory of Jesus Christ, then man, watch out. Hope you can see his glory at some point. Maybe not here, maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's in worship. To be on true mission for him, you've got to see his glory. And then third and, and last, the requirement of mission. The requirement of mission... Be like Jesus. I know we say, man, I can't be like Jesus. Man, thank God that we can, we can grow more and more like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Verse 18, Jesus says to God in the prayer, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The key word in that is as. We can easily miss as. Hear what I'm saying? 
As you have sent me, so I am sending them. As. The same way that God sent Jesus, he wants to send us. How did God send Jesus? Jesus was willing. Jesus went. Jesus was holy. And God sent him. See, for us, we think about mission, there's strategy, there's planning, there's you know, great intentions and all. But maybe sometimes we miss out on just trying to live and be like Jesus. Trying to live and be like Jesus. I mean, seriously, it's like, you know, in our world today, we've got all the tweets, we've got all the Facebooks, got all the plans, got all the strategies, got all the cell phones, got all the, all the things, but we miss out on just trying to live like Jesus. And so many people just want to see Jesus, not in what we say, but how we live. Two stories, one in history, one present day. Ben Franklin did not call himself a Christian, but one of his best friends was a guy named George Whitfield, who, who preached to thousands in the, in the colonies and New York City and Philadelphia. And Ben Franklin said, man, we need as many churches as possible in this new world in America so people can live like him. He didn't confess Christ, but he's like, man, we need people like that. He's like, get as many churches as we can. Present day story, the same book I'm reading on Navy SEALs. This guy was you know, doing field work in, in places like Africa and where there was mission work going on and humanitarian work going on. And he said the most devoted people, the hardest working, the people that would give hours, days, and nights in service were these Christian believers. These, these good-hearted... And this guy, this dude, wasn't a Christian. And he's like, I'm not sure I totally agree with their deal, but man, like, their life was a testimony. They were living... In holiness. We can too. I know you're like, man, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But my God, aren't we here to try to grow into his likeness? Yes, and it can happen. God is more willing to make you and I, to make us, in our entire lives, God is more intentional and willing to make us like Jesus Christ than anything else. Even more than to make us happy. And see, if we're just here and we're like, we want to be happy and happy and happy and happy, and God's like, I want to be like Jesus, like Jesus, like Jesus, we're going to butt heads with God. Bad idea. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Don't do that. God wants to make us like Jesus. You know, um, Linda and I are expecting, and uh, was told this story by a pastor about another couple that was expecting, a Christian couple, and uh, the doctor said, you know, close into the uh, pregnancy, into the um, delivery date, said, you know, your child has, has Down syndrome and also has this heart condition. And, um, you know, you might want to think about, like, giving up for adoption. You might want to think about, because it's going to be a lot of stress on the marriage, it's going to be a lot of stress on your life. So the doctor said this, and, you know, the pastor was mentor, ministering to this couple, and the couple said, you know, God has blessed us so much. He's given us a great family, gave us great kids. God knew, God knew we needed this child. God knew that this child could have a happy life here. So, yeah, it's going to be more stress. Yeah, it's going to be more, yeah, it's going to be trying on the marriage. But yeah, we're going to have this child and we're going to love this child. And the pastor, the doctor, like blown away. Like it, it was outside the reason and rationality of the world. And, and Jesus is. His way is. His mission is. But it's the only thing that will give us joy. 
and true happiness. Today, you know, I don't know why all of you are here. Uh, I don't know. I hope you're here to worship. I hope you're here to know God. I hope you're here to, to find Christ. I hope you're here to grow into His likeness. But all of us have this great call on our lives. All of us. Regardless of your gifting. God created all of us for a grand mission. And it's His mission. It, it is to change the world. It is to save the world. And the only thing, the only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. And, you know, sometimes people, like missionaries get a bad rap. You know, they get a bad rap about trying to convert other people. We're all in the business of conversions. We all are. Even folks who would say, hey, you can't convert someone to Jesus because, you know, everything's equal. Well, they're trying to convert someone to that way of life. And the way we know that we're truly sent by God is when our religion, our faith, our our Jesus stops being a private thing. He said, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go on mission for him. Maybe it's Honduras. Maybe it's Stupot. Maybe it's Northeast Jackson. Maybe it's to your neighbor. We're going for Jesus. Last thing I'd say, I, and I, didn't, I wasn't sure I was going to say this because it, it sounds negative, but then I was like, you know, I'm going to say it. Um, it's a story about this guy who... Um, gave a, a commencement speech at a high school up in Massachusetts. And it's gotten a lot of press. You may have heard of it. Um, but the teacher, he basically told the high school students, that you are not special. Because every other like, commencement speech, he's like, you know, you're great, you're awesome, go take on the world. He's like, you're not special. <laughs> Encouraging, right? But what he said was, you know, in, in a world of 6.8 billion people, even people who are just similar to you, like you, unique like you, you still got around 7,000 people that would be like you. And he said, we live in a world that's so much about ourselves, like our individual self. He said, you know, even the good deeds we do, he used an example of going and building a hospital in Guatemala that, you know, we don't do it anymore for the people of Guatemala. We do it to put on an application to college or for us on a resume or just to make ourselves look good. And this really hit me. I read it this week about, you know, how much, I mean, this was not a Christian message at all, but how much it ties into the gospel. He's like, why, why? Jesus says, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself. If you want to get your life, give up your life. If you want to give yourself to, to the greatest thing, special thing, then you're, you're not special. We're not special. Jesus is. So, I say all that because so much of this world is, is just so much of self-promotion. And if we can lose ourselves in Jesus, we will find ourselves. And it's a much bigger, much greater, much grander cause and mission than just promoting ourselves or trying to uplift ourselves. I pray all of us, and I pray this for myself, would just lose ourselves. Just, just get over ourselves. Like, we're not that special, but Jesus is. And Jesus will bring fulfillment and joy and peace and the greatest cause and mission we can ever imagine. Over the next weeks and months, we're going to be giving you, like, small opportunities to be on mission. Small acts of service locally. We're going to be for the city, be for Jesus in this city. And, and I hope y'all aren't resistant. I mean, I hope you're not, like, 
you know, I mean, you know how some folks are, like, you know, Jackson, you know, we got to get away, or, you know, there's no hope and all this. Look, and I'm not this, like, grand pro-Jackson dude. I'm for Jesus, and he's put us here. And if we're not willing to go or be on mission, then maybe we need to really evaluate what our faith really is about. I pray you'll see his glory. I pray we'll have his joy. That only happens in mission. I pray we'll be willing for God to grow us in holiness, which I don't even like that word, but to be like Jesus. That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you have called us to the greatest mission that we can imagine, that we can fathom. It is the the redemption of a world in need. We see it locally. We see it in our families. We see it relationally. We see it globally. I pray over these people, dear Lord. I I really pray because there are are very real obstacles that I know about. There are very real um, strongholds in lives and in marriages. And I pray that we all together will surrender and say, God, we, we are not special but Jesus is. God, we are willing to lose ourselves in order to find ourselves in Christ. That will only happen not by a, a preacher or speaker or song or program. It, it will only happen by, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the melting of hearts. So, dear Lord, I, I call on that. Dear Lord, I, I plead with you, allow that to happen, to, to melt hearts. That people who might say, I would never go, I could never, I could never do that. We just say, I, I want to. Because what Jesus has done, it only happens when we see your glory. And Lord, you are, you are glorious for what you've done. Pray we'd see it and it would change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we close with this invitational song, I, I want to give you an invitation you may, as always, come to the altars for prayer. But if you took a program, you'll, you'll see the end of that. There's always a, give us your name, email. You know, we want to connect with you. But today, I, want, I just want to challenge you. I want to ask you, are, are you ready? Are you willing to be sent by God for Jesus? And I, I'm not even naming a place. I'm not naming a person. I just want to ask you, man, open your hearts and ask yourself, am I willing to go? to go for this church. If, if you're a member here, if this is your church home, then God has called you here. We're going to be, through the next couple months, I mean, we're going to give you opportunities to go, to be sent. I'm asking you, are you willing? If you are, let us know. I mean, write a name, write, write a prayer request, write, write an email, write a, a, a passion, write a call, write, write Jesus. Just let us know. I'm doing that selfishly to let us know. I'm also doing it for you. I'm, I'm very big on, I think we need to respond. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you willing to be sent? And if you are, just let us know. Put it on the altar. Put it on the, the bottom of the altar. And we will do everything we can as a church to help God take care of the rest. Are you willing?